44, Christmas on a Card. I'm Merle Riedel, and you're listening to a December 19, 2007 podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. Some people just get into Christmas a little more than others. Lewis Glenn was one of those people. He spent the whole year hand-coloring 500 cards for friends and family. Join curator Blair Tarr as he describes this Topeka native's creative process. He'll explain Glenn's assembly line approach to card making and why this amateur artist seemed partial to state office buildings on the cover of his Christmas cards. Later, listen for another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White. This week, we connect the famous Kansas author to current presidential candidate Bill Richardson. Believe it or not, this governor of New Mexico is a former baseball player, and as such, he may prove to be more connected to William Allen White than any candidate we've seen yet. And for a bonus edition of Six Degrees of William Allen White, We've done the impossible. We've connected this small-town newspaper editor to the world's most influential and recognizable toy manufacturer and distributor. But first, Christmas on a card. Good afternoon, Blair. Good afternoon, and may I thank you for this wonderful selection of holiday drinks you have here. I see eggnog and wassail, and is that a flaming rum punch, just like Clarence Oddbody? Tis the season to be jolly. (laughs) Yes, good. Well, we should have a few lot of these, actually. (laughs) Well, uh, today, uh, while we're having some drinks uh, here in my office, uh, we're going to talk about a colorful set of Christmas cards that was hand-painted by a Topeka resident. His name was Louis Glenn. And he worked on these cards from the 1950s to the 1970s, I believe. Even a little earlier, into the 40s. And maybe, up, I believe he died in the mid-80s, so he may have continued on up till then. We're not quite sure. How many, well, we have a set of, of about 10 cards. How many, any idea how many he did total? That's a really good question. We've got these that are sort of right in the middle of when he worked on them from about 1965 to 75. And... Like I said, the one source that we had, Santa Fe uh, Railway Magazine, public, uh, mentions that he was working on them in the 40s and did them each year. So I, I really don't have too much doubt that he probably worked on them until close to the end of his life. Uh, Lewis Glenn, he was not an artist, uh, at least not a professionally trained one. How did he get involved in painting uh, these amazing scenes on these handmade Christmas cards? He just seems to have had the talent. He's one of those remarkable people that can do things uh, without much to go on because it certainly wasn't his profession. He was a stenographer for the Santa Fe Railroad starting out in Illinois somewhere, I believe, and then moving to Topeka where he spent most of his life, actually. He so it's not like he was like a graphic designer for the railroad? No, he didn't do any of that. Uh, it, it, the only indication that we had that he had any training whatsoever is that he apparently took a night course at Washburn University, a 
for one semester, but that's it. <laughs> that's amazing because these are. I mean, like if you compare to these to like professional ads that were made, it's very they're very comparable. They're very to good. The, yeah, they're to very the ads similar to those from the fifties and the sixties. And it um, makes me wonder what his earlier works look like too, because he does sort of reflect the sixties and seventies and the ones we've got and uh, the forties. I wonder if that's also true then, or if he always stuck pretty much to the same style. Doesn't seem likely, but. Besides Christmas, the scenes on Glenn's cards have a common theme, and that is Topeka. Uh, how did Glenn select his subjects? Well, he and his wife Lillian would go around. Uh, you mentioned walking before we started talking, but he also drove around Kansas quite a bit, too. And he always kept a sketchbook with him. And unlike a lot of artists, he apparently took his camera with him, too, so he could get some shots of what he was doing. And then he would come back and sort of work on them and give it sort of more of an artist touch. He took a little artistic license to it than what we just had on the basic sketches that he had started with. So uh, you look at some of the scenes for the Topeka skyline and what's going on on the ground floor or the ground level. Uh, a lot of that stuff probably wasn't actually happening, but he edited it in to his satisfaction. Mm -hmm. When we say that uh, Glenn handmade these cards, uh, we don't mean that he was cutting construction paper or gluing glitter for grandma and grandpa. No, this this is not the Kansas Historical Society Education Outreach Department. <laughs> this is really... <laughs> he, he would take these sketches, he would ink out a, an outline on them, on the card, and then take it to a professional print shop, and have them run off about not Kinkos. Not Kinkos, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we going to get in trouble? We're never going to get a donation from Kinkos. <laughs> uh, but he would get about 500 made up. He would take them down to his basement where he had set up a studio with a board that, or, or a table that was slanted slightly, set up about 50 at a time. And then he would start one day adding the color into them. And he'd do it in a way so that they would run on the watercolor would run on this slanted board. It gave it a little more texture. It would be different dark to light. Uh, so this is a you can imagine he starts this early in the year, almost right after Christmas. And he's going to do five hundred. He's going to do five hundred. Yeah, that he sends out. To and he's friends, like fifty at a time. Fifty at a time. Wow. And if you're thinking about if you've got about six or seven colors on the card. You only do one color a day, so that's going to be at least seven days of... <laughs> that's a lot of investment in, in Christmas cards. Have it you ever, is. Have you ever seen anything like this, people doing uh, hand-painting their cards to this not extent? Not me personally. Maybe someone does, but not, I've never heard anybody like Mr. Glenn did. What kind of paper did he usually use? Uh, it was just a, base, a very heavy cardstock that you could get to most print stores or print shops. We have a collection of 10 of, of Glenn's cards. Um, these cards were sent to family and friends. Uh, how did we end up with them? Uh, we were lucky that uh, well, they were all, the, what we have were all sent to a couple named uh, Mr. and Mrs. J.F. Kilfoy. I always have to get that name right because I want to say Gilfoy most of the time, but it's Kilfoy. And they saved them, and a niece in Colorado, Sue Kern, wound up with them and came across them as she was going through things. Uh, she thought we might have some interest in them, and, well, we did. They are kind of interesting for both their, the skill that's involved in them and also for locking in a bit of Topeka history. The cards don't say on them handmade by Glenn, do they? I mean, they have a signature on them? Somewhere he usually hides his initials. 
Because I'm curious. I mean, if he's making 500 at a time and mailing them out, like how many of these are still out and around? And did people keep them? Did they know that they were hand painted, or did they pitch them? Not that people pitch cards in the trash. But. Yeah. Well, I know you do, but that's. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it would be interesting to find out if there are more of these out here, particularly if there are some from other years, because it would be, I, I'd really like to see some of his other work. Uh, occasionally, he did do some other things besides cards too. Although he never really entered art shows like that, I believe he did get one of his cards submitted to some competition Hallmark was having, and it, it got considered. It didn't win, but it was at least considered as one of the the finalists, I believe. He he should have got a job for Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you have to catch, come up with those catchy slogans, though. That's yeah. the problem. And his don't have his cards don't really have phrases or text on them. It's it's basically drawings, right? It's well, it's mostly drawings, but he does hand inscribe all his cards too. Uh, it usually just says Christmas greetings. It's not not anything fancy yet from Lillian and Lou or something like that, but. Uh, and sometimes there's on the back there's a type message for if they want to send a little bit more information. But <laughs> well, of course he hand letters them. Yes, he hand letters them. Um, can you describe a few of the more interesting scenes depicted in the cards, and and even tell us which ones are your favorite? Well, I, I guess I'll start with the for the, the last part of that is I, I I do like the Topeka skylines a bit, probably because. There's not a lot missing from them yet, although if you look at some of the buildings, you see little things that have changed. There's the Santa Fe office building across from the Capitol. It's got the old neon Santa Fe sign on it. Well, that's gone now since it's now the Land and State office building. The bank buildings have their old names on uh which are all changed. I don't even know what the current banks are called because they change so often anymore. Uh, you see little references to the railroads and the Missouri Pacific and the Rock Island are there. They're gone. You also see cars that are very specific to the Yeah, time, you're seeing basically the cars that are for the 60s and 70s, and that's one of the places you usually see his initials. He usually puts them on the license plates. No <laughs> kidding. Well, a few of them, so... But he does seem, on the collection that we've got, there are almost two themes there, really. There's the Topeka skyline and there's schools. He seemed to like doing schools. Uh, There's the Fairview Rural Rural School. I can never pronounce that correctly. Rural. Uh, (laughs) The Assumption School in downtown Topeka and also the Polk and Quincy Schools, which I think are now both long gone. Uh, from Topeka, so... Gone as in the schools aren't there or the buildings are gone? The buildings are gone. In a way, each card represents Topeka in a sort of, uh, like, a frozen state of development, which is appropriate because they have snow depicted in them and they're Christmas cards. But it's also a a freeze-frame image of Topeka. Uh, If you could compare the Topeka of these cards with the Topeka of today, Blair, what would be different? Gee, there's not a lot, actually. No, <laughs> <laughs> that's a little sad. Uh, no, well, in some ways that's true, though. They haven't changed. There's not a lot of changes. I think people would recognize things in most of them, such as the Jayhawk on the top of the old Jayhawk Hotel, uh, that neon sign. They're familiar things, but they're things that, given a few more years, they may disappear. After all, the We're talking about two state office buildings downtown that may be sort of decrepit and going to disappear in a few years. The docking building, they want to implode it. (laughs) Yes. 
so it's a nice lock-in for that time period uh, to show what uh, Topeka looked like. And it does also catch, uh, like I mentioned, those schools that are gone too because there are some people that probably still around that went to those schools that remember them well, and um, there's the nostalgia element in there as well. All right, Blair. Well, thanks for telling us about uh, Mr. Glenn's handmade Christmas cards. Oh, you're quite welcome. Let's get back to those flaming rum punches. And now it's time for another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White, Election 2008, Holiday Edition. And joining me today, as usual, is Assistant Museum Director Rebecca Martin. Hello. And Assistant Registrar, Nikayla Zimmerman. Hello. This week's challenge was to connect William Allen White to William Blaine Richardson III, or Bill Richardson. Uh, Along with serving as the current governor of New Mexico, this former college baseball player is attempting to win the nomination. But before we get to that, Rebecca... I believe you have some holiday-flavored listener feedback for us. Yes, it is holiday-flavored. It's pepperminty. Uh, this is uh, from Bo- Bob from Hayes, Kansas, and he was referencing the aluminum Christmas tree, which was our preceding episode to this one. And here's what Bob wrote us. I remember my family being really excited about going over to Grandma and Grandpa's house to see their new aluminum Christmas tree. It was decorated with red glass balls and nothing else. Mm. The color wheel was doing its job of changing the whole tree from red to green to blue. It was amazing. (laughs) What were you going to say, Merle? I was just going to say, and doing its job of spreading Christmas magic. (laughs) Yes. Back to Bob. We had to run outside several times to get the full effect of seeing it from the street. What a picture. Um, I remember Dad and Grandpa talking about the fact that the instructions warned not to put strings of lights on the tree because of the possibility of electrocution. It was a short-lived fad, but what great memories. Possibly because of the electrocution. (laughs) Yeah, something we forgot to include in the podcast, Merle, is that that apparently was at least touted as a risk by the manufacturers. Mm -hmm. But if anybody out there has had any experience with electrocution in aluminum Christmas trees, we'd like to hear from them. Because you you sort of doubt that it's possible people could actually electrocute themselves with an aluminum Christmas tree. I I would like to know that if if anybody's gotten shocked by one because they didn't follow the instructions because we know that is a big problem with any Christmas present following the instructions. But imagine what colors it would change if you were shocked by the tree. <laughs> it would be more than red and blue. That's right. <laughs> and All I right. don't think that's Christmas magic. It would be spread either. <laughs> okay, so now back to Six Degrees of William Allen White. Um, and I believe this time we actually had somebody send in a solution. And, Nikayla, uh, you're going to share share that solution that was sent in. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's very exciting, yeah. Uh, Nick from Emporia is speaking our language. He says, Bill Richardson was awarded the Theodore Roosevelt Award, the oh. highest award given to an individual by the NCAA in, I'm assuming that's oh, 1999, which recognizes said person as having become an outstanding public official. The award was named after Teddy Roosevelt, whose concern for the conduct of intercollegiate athletes and athletic programs led to the formation of the NCAA in 1906. TR was BFF with WAW. He literally yeah. is speaking our language. <laughs> TR is yeah. BFF with WAW. Thanks. Thanks for the acronyms, Nick. 
<laughs> okay, so he did it in three degrees. Wow. Well which done. is mind-blowing. Yeah, it is. Um, and, I, and I believe that sort of changes the course of events here at uh, Six Degrees of William Allen White. Um, as I predicted, I yes. believe. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, where does that put uh, Mr. Richardson or Governor Richardson on the William Allen White scale of electability? Well, he rang the bell. He <laughs> Currently, he is... Nice Christmas connection. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking more carnival, but anyway, he is three degrees uh, between William Allen White and Bill Richardson. So he, at this point, is the clear front runner. We still have, you know, people way back in the pack, some as many as five degrees away. And I don't think it's going to, unless somebody reveals that they're the illegitimate child of William Allen White, <laughs> I don't think it's going to get much closer. <laughs> I hope not. Okay, but as a Christmas gift, Michaela, I believe you have accomplished you have accomplished the unthinkable, yes? Yes. You found a way to actually connect William Allen White to Santa Claus. That's right. Yes, Merle, there is a connection. How does that William work? William Allen White and Santa Claus. <laughs> um, well, I guess we could go the easy way and say that probably as a child, William Allen White received gifts from Santa. But, you know, that that's kind of cheating. You that's know, not that's good enough easy. here at the Kansas yeah. Museum of History. We yeah. demand more. We're a historical organization. <laughs> that's right. So this is how it goes. Santa, as we know him, the plump, bearded man, was the creation of Thomas Nast, who was a renowned caricaturist and editorial cartoonist for Harper's Weekly. Um, he drew Santa, as we know him, um, for the magazine in 1863. Uh, Thomas Nast was appointed to was appointed as the United States Consul General to Ecuador by Teddy Roosevelt oh. in 1902. And, of course, as Nick told us before, TR was BFF with WAW. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that means... I'm voting for Santa. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's my choice for president. Can I ask, you, you say um, that he drew Santa Claus as we know him. That's what did right. he look like before this guy started drawing him? Santa was much thinner, which I guess lately they've been talking about how Santa is too fat. So maybe, you know, we should go back to the original skinny Santa, mm-hmm. pre-Thomas Ness. go on a protein mm-hmm. diet. Yeah. I want to say, too, that our museum director, Bob Keckeisen, who many of you know from listening to these podcasts, he thinks that William Allen White actually is Santa Claus. <laughs> That's true. He did bring that when up. Because when you describe Santa Claus, kind of sounded like William Allen White. Yeah, mm-hmm. all he needs is a beard and some reindeer, and mm-hmm. he's good to go. <laughs> he may sprout those on Christmas Eve. Yeah, the Christmas magic brings that to him. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca, I believe uh, you have the challenge for the next episode. Yes, the challenge for next week is to connect the same of Emporia, W.A.W., to America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, former mayor of New York and current Republican presidential candidate. And if you know how to connect the two, just send your solution to podcast at KSHS.org. That is podcast with an S. And also, if you happen to know a connection between William Allen White and the Easter Bunny, Cupid, or Poxitani Phil, uh, let us know about that, too. Mm-hmm. And from everyone here at the Kansas Museum of History, we'd all like to wish you a safe and happy holiday. Merry Christmas. That concludes episode 44, Christmas on a Card. If you'd like to know more about Lewis Glenn and his handmade Christmas cards, go to the Cool Things page of our website, kshs.org. Join us in two weeks when Assistant Registrar Nikayla Zimmerman tells us about a saddle that belonged to a real Kansas cowboy. This guy defined what it meant to be a cowboy. 
He mined gold, led wagon trains, and drove cattle. And he did it all from the seat of this saddle. Finally, if you would like to provide some feedback on our podcasts, you can access a survey on our website, kshs.org, from either the Cool Things page or the podcast page. Let us know what you think or what you would like to hear about. This podcast is a production of the Kansas Historical Society. Real people, real stories.